Welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Hey, we're committed right now to live not by lies, and we hope that you'll do the same thing. We're not, hey, we don't lie on this podcast. Try we tell to. the truth on this podcast. <laughs> yes. And uh, the truth is the gospel in the uh, Christian worldview, and that's what we're committed to. So we're glad that you're here, here with us today in a society that is... Uh, uh, ever increasingly filled with propaganda and and literal lies, uh, it's nice to have a place where uh, where you're going to hear some truth, and I unashamedly uh, give you that that yeah. pledge. And we're even we're even declaring that there is a truth, absolute truth, well, which is revolutionary in our culture today. And so. that His name is Jesus Christ, yeah. and uh, and truth is personal and uh, transformative. So yeah. and objective, and, and not objective. based on your feelings. Yeah, there you go. And unchanging, and unchanging. eternal, and yeah. all those amazing things right. that uh, we sometimes forget about. So, yeah. uh, but we've been in a great book and uh, and getting a lot of good feedback from it. Uh, Live not by lies, a manual for Christian dissidents by Rod Dreyer. Um, and uh, we've been working through that chapter by chapter and encourage you to get a copy. It's well worth the read. Uh, we're just trying to apply it into what's going on in our culture today, uh, running it through, again, a Christian worldview and talking about things that uh, we hope will be very, very helpful to you on a day-to-day basis as you're just trying to navigate uh, this crazy new world in which we yeah. find ourselves. Well, what I've been enjoying about these books we're doing is that they're written by intellectual. I'll, I'll be honest, in the last night I was like, okay, I got to read this chapter. <laughs> back to my, harken back to my grad school days, like, oh, I got to test tomorrow. <laughs> I got to study this, right? So I'm in bed, you know, kids are in bed, I'm, I'm reading, I'm studying it. And it's not always an easy read because these are intellectuals. And my brain is sometimes, you know, I'm just doing gymnastics, trying to read hey, some of this stuff. Any of you folks that know Pastor Andrew know he's being very humble right now. He's one of the most brainiac guys I know, but... But I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're having to study. I'm, right. I'm trying like to keep studying. you sharp. But what I appreciate is these. I appreciate Christian intellectuals. Yeah. Because what they do is they help us look at the meta picture, the big picture. Yeah. They don't just look at all the symptoms. They dig deep into the under. They look at history because history gives us a clearer picture of what's going on right now. Yeah. When you're in the middle of, of chaos, often we get so flustered. But history allows you to sit back and see, yeah. okay, the big picture, what's happening? You know? Amen. Solomon said it this way, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. And it's the truth. I mean, the devil's not very creative. Uh, he's just persistent. He just keeps reinventing, uh, so to yeah. speak, or, 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 or reclothing the same arguments for a new generation, the same lies. And you're exactly right. That's the beauty of, of great Christian thinkers is they create templates for us. They create categories. Yep. By which we can interpret what's going on in terms of principles and you know comparisons and contrasts and all yeah. those things. So we're going to hopefully try to flesh out some of that today. Um, but before even we get into that, I just want you to give another shameless plug for uh, the Avodah conference coming yeah. up. I want to keep that before people's eyes. I think I think the marketplace just to give my little uh, my little two cents here. The marketplace is the the. The Civil War. It's, it's where the battle lines are being drawn. It's where the things we're going to talk about today are hitting the fan. It's not so much the church. We we still have the protection of our, yeah. our religious liberties due to our constitutional liberties. It's, it's the marketplace where these are being tested the most. Yeah. And, and so I just want to encourage you, as Pastor Andrew kind of shares about the vision behind this conference, really please consider coming because you're going to need um, support, encouragement. You need a theology of the marketplace to support who you are and what you're doing there. And all of this is going to come with the, the Avodah conference. Yeah, for those who haven't heard, Avodah means work 
worship and service in the Hebrew. Same words, same three word. meanings. And in other words, to the Jews, there's no distinction between work and worship. Work is worship, is service. Yeah. And and that's what we're trying to equip people is first of all find knowing that their identity is that is that every one of us has been called by God. You don't have to be a pastor to be called by God. Right. You don't have to be a missionary to be called by God. Every single one of us is called by God in what we're doing right now. Yeah. Attorney, lawyer, well, a lot of us were raised or whatever. We were raised in churches that had kind of a hierarchy. You yeah. know, the, the most holy were uh, like the priests, the the nuns, uh, the missionaries, uh, the pastors, and then you kind of worked your way down the yeah. the spectrum of holiness, you know. But what you're yeah. saying is radical, and it's not new either. It, it, it's historical. It's it's the Reformation, but basically that that all work uh, when done to the glory of God is holy and sacred, yeah. and that's radical. That 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 lifts everybody up uh, a notch or two and says, you know what, what you do really matters, and how you do it matters. And w- when you're doing your job, you should be doing it with the fervor of serving God, with all the innovation, creativity, passion that God's given you, and right. that's how we... That's how we take over the market. That's how we bring the kingdom of God into the marketplace. Now, some of it's relational leadership and loving people and caring for people and the gospel and all that stuff. But but I think at the foundational level is do you just see do you see your work as worship? You know, and one thing I you know, you talk about the marketplace being the battleground right now. Now, I look at our culture today. You know, to me, the, the major influencers, the, the stakeholders, it's not necessarily the politician. Now, some of these politicians are career politicians. Right. They've been there for 30, 40 years. Or longer. But 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 in general, you know, for like again, for like a president, for say, you got eight years, okay? But you're a CEO of a major company, that's your company. You're not, you're not getting involved at all. There's no term limits, right? And my, my, my point is... It, to me, the real stakes hold, the power holders in our culture today are the businesses, the business owners. Well, and we're, we're feeling the heat, especially yep. from our our big, big companies that that have you know uh, gross revenues that are bigger than most nations. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the folks that we're getting the biggest heat from and pushback, whether it's the Amazons or the Googles or whatever, because. If they're if they're led by a, a radical ideology, progressive ideology, yeah. like we're talking about today, they have a lot of clout and a lot of economic clout. Um, and and so you're exactly right. The marketplace well, is is powerful. They are promoting their kingdom, and and what we're saying is, hey, the Christian business owners should be promoting God's kingdom, yeah. bringing God's kingdom in their workplace. Yeah. They're competing kingdoms. They're absolute competing kingdoms. They're competing kings, trying to be kings. But we know there's only one true king. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And that's a powerful revelation right there. The nature of the battle, even though we talk about sacred secular, it's really it's really sacred sacred. It's yeah. all because, it's all because yeah. as you said, it's just a competing vision for a different king. Yeah. And uh, but it's it's absolutely religious in nature. Yeah. And I think that's part of the the understanding we need to grasp. It's helpful to realize it's not just like, oh, you're one of those religious people. We're not. No, no, no. The person saying that is just as religious yeah. as you are. Um, it's just that they worship a different God. Yeah. Well, Avada Conference, November 4th and 5th. We start uh, Friday night uh, and we go to Saturday afternoon. Uh, you can sign up on our website, uh, lstones.org. There is a link to the Avada Conference. I think it's a, there's a link on our Facebook page also. And uh, hopefully you can join us. Sign up soon because we're trying to figure out how many people come in. Make sure we got enough yeah. food. And how do they do that? Sign up. Lstone.org. There's a link to the Ava Conference. Okay. So, yeah. Good. So we hope to see you there. It's going to be amazing. Yep. Um, I want to begin by reading a passage from Jeremiah uh, chapter 6, verse 16. 
because we're talking today about um, the ideology or the myth uh, of communists and revolutionaries, whatever the, whatever the group is, prog modern progressives, it's the myth of progress, um, the myth that, that we're constantly improving, that each generation is going to experience bigger, better. And, and this is what the Bible says, the prophet Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 6.16. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. And he says, ask for not the progressive new untested paths, but he says, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and then walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I find that interesting because we're living in a day where, where new is always better, where tomorrow is going to be better than today, and the, the past is something to be despised and canceled. Yep. And yet God says, don't go on the progressive highway. Go off-road and go find the ancient path. Yeah. In other words, the, the, the path that has been established by God and, and, and timeless principles for success, walk on that path and you're going to find success. But the response of God's people was, uh, no, we're not going to do it. And yeah. I feel like, again, we have a whole culture today that's kind of turned their back on God, on the traditional way, on the religious way, on the biblical way, whatever language you want to use, whatever's old-fashioned, and that we're, we're trying to blaze new trails. And that, and that new superhighway is the highway of progressivism. Yeah, it's almost rebellion for the sake of change. Right. You're not asking whether a change is better or worse. Change, by definition, is better. Yep. So when you're, the definition of better is change or change is better, then you don't ever question it. Anyone who says, you know what, should we make this change because we're doing pretty good, or this past wisdom has lasted us for thousands of years of infrastructure for nation building, but you just throw that away because you're saying, by definition, change is better or new is better. That's a dark place to be. That's kind of where we're at right now. No, it is. And we do the same thing with choice, by the way. You know, Everybody wants to be pro-choice, yeah. but we never ask the question, what are you choosing? Right. Uh, the fact that you're pro-choice is, is irrelevant. What, are, what, is, what kind of choices are you making? But we never ask those questions, just like we never ask the question about change, because sometimes we don't even go back to examine the ancient paths or even believe that, the, you know, take the time to even listen to wisdom from our forefathers. Uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis who used the phrase, we're living in a kind of chronological snobbery, which simply meant we think we're the smartest folks that have ever set foot on planet Earth yeah. because we're alive and we're living now. And if you lived 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago, you're old-fashioned. And it's a chronological snobbery that suggests that people who lived 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago weren't just as smart, if not smarter, than we are. Right. Uh, and I arrogance. would argue back then, without social media, they probably had a lot more time to think more deeply about oh, the true the nature truth. of things. So don't go, let's not even go there. That's a whole other conversation. That's the truth. <laughs> and so we're talking about the myth of progress today. It is the belief that the present is better than the past and that the future will inevitably, meaning it's just going to happen, the future will absolutely be better than the present. And sometimes we just, it's kind of like the air we breathe in America, but we need to pause for a moment and say, wait a minute, is that really true? Why is it that we believe that tomorrow or the next decade is going to bring better than we, what we currently have or what, or what it was 100 years ago? This myth of progress has been, and, and Chuck Colson, Nancy Pearson calls it the escalator myth. He yep. talks about it in How Nash We Live. And we talked about it a long time ago on the right. podcast. But this myth of progress is so ubiquitous to our culture yep. 
that both the left and the right uses these languages. It's yep. so natural, it's so just normalized in everything we do that we don't even recognize. It's like the, the, the water we swim in, yep. you know? Until one day you realize, wait, this direction we're going, it's actually coming back to consume us, destroy some of the things we value the most. Yep. Then we start to be like, wait a second, I don't really like this. So I think I love this chapter because it kind of yep. clarifies uh, he's he's asking a very disruptive question. Is change always good? Is the new always good? The answer is not always. Exactly. Often not. And the other thing he's doing, uh, just to remind our, our viewers and listeners, is he's interviewed people that came out of uh, totalitarian regimes, especially under Stalin. And, um, and, and what he highlights is the fact that every radical uh, revolutionary, you know, uh, group has to have something transcendent that yeah. drives their cause. Yeah. If you reject God, what do you have left? There's no transcendent being or no transcendent purpose. And so for these folks, he goes back to the communists. For the communists, it was the revolution. It was the myth of progress. It was the, the communist vision for the planet. And it was a global vision, a communist takeover of the planet. It was that myth of progress that provided a transcendent value which people were willing to, to, to give their lives for. Yeah. They believed in it so strongly. And I would say today that while the left is so quick to reject Christianity as outdated, as bigotry, uh, as foolishness, um, and we embrace science and technology, and the new future is going to be completely, you know, uh, without all the, the nonsense of religion— um, they have to replace God and the Bible and truth, objective truth, with something else. Otherwise, they don't have any reason to get out of bed in the morning, right? And so for the, for the radical leftists, it's this brand new ideology of social justice, which, by the way, we're going we're gonna to take a deep dive next podcast into this important issue of what's the difference between social justice and biblical justice because this has crept into the church and caused a lot of division and a lot of confusion. Especially young people. Absolutely. Have and, a cause, yeah. Uh, yeah, the whole woke wokeness of the church is largely due to a misunderstanding today of social justice. So yeah. we're going to get into that in, in just a moment. Um, next, but here's the bigger week. issue. Yeah, next week. Those who oppose progress are, are viciously attacked. So I don't care where it is, whatever whatever the scientific development is or technological development, if you're going, wait a minute, is is solar power really as effective? It is, uh, you know. Is it cost effective? Can people yeah. afford it? Are, are, yeah. are getting everybody off fossil fuels onto an electric grid, is that really a wise thing to do? I mean, if you just ask the question, you're resisting the movement. And you're put into this category of being backwards. And, and how many times have we heard this one? If you've been accused of this, you're, you join the crowd, right? You're on the wrong side of history, especially yeah. when it comes to sexual ethics and things like that. And, and that's, that's the worst thing. If you want to be popular, the last thing is you want to be called being on the wrong side of history. Right. And, and the reason, can we talk a little bit about yeah. why this progressive myth is so uh, popular in our culture because there's some legitimacy to it and there's some historical roots to it, right? Because a lot of Eastern culture tradi traditionally is not progressive. It's cyclical, yeah. right? The whole karma, the reincarnation idea is cyclical. But the Western society has brought in this kind of progressive progressive, like we're going somewhere. Where did that come from? Yeah. You know? Well, it was largely a Christian idea yeah. because uh, wherever the gospel goes, it uplifts people. Yeah. 
Uh, and so where Jesus comes, you're going to find, you know, you're going to find people who have, first, first of all, a different worldview about nature. So they're going to realize, hey, we're here to take dominion over nature. Uh, let's, let's, uh, God's embedded laws into nature so we can study science and we can study medicine and we can improve people's quality of life. But I think the why was important, right? Why do we want to do all this? Yeah. We, we do it for the glory of God. Yeah. What we're seeing today is God has rejected and, the, and we're not doing it for his glory. Now that from our last, you know, podcast where we talked about the, the radicalization of self, right? Um, where everything is about me, about my comfort, about my life, about my choices, about my reality. Right. So we've, we've, we've lost our rootedness in the glory of God. And now everything's become basically about me. And so yeah. progress is about making my life better, give, giving money, me choices, more, wealth, more choice, more material things, right. more comfort. Um, and it's like, stay out of my life, mind your own business, right. let me... And in fact, we talked about this too, consent is the big thing. Yeah. The only thing that stops human beings or puts any boundaries around them in our secularized Western culture is um, I have to consent to it. If I, if I don't consent to it, then that's the only boundary. Um, but you take away consent, and it's, mm -hmm. it's you know anything goes. Um, I think it's important for us to understand the foundation, the infrastructure for for us to embrace progressivism. Is because, like you said, it's found in the Western culture through Christian thinking. You know, the Bible talks about a glorious end at the very end, right. at, at the end of history, at the end of right. uh, uh, you know. The planet, or the, and the coming end, of Jesus that Christ, is Christ returning, it's Christ returning, the fullness right. of His kingdom, and that's that's different from Eastern thought. So there's a foundation of that of getting better. That that again, that's that's godly. Now the problem with, with progressivism is that they kind of took the infrastructure, but they kind of did a little 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 bait and switch. Yes. they still have that idea, the template of that, but they put a complete different, same template, different substance. Right, because while we would agree that uh, we can improve human conditions, we can help feed the world, we can yeah. help you know cure disease, we can create technology that makes uh, takes out the drudgery of life, right? And some of these things, we still recognize in our Christian worldview that the fundamental flaw is not in technology, it's in the human heart. Yes, that's People, a huge difference. Yeah, that is massive. Yeah. Like, you know, like you, can, you can perfect lighting and sound yeah. and, and all these kinds of things, but at the end of the day, only Jesus can change the human heart. And, I, I think that's the mega difference. That's the difference between like a peaceful, like loving kind growth versus uh, a blood you know, bloodshed, totalitarian revolution. Exactly. It is, is whether, uh, is what is the problem? What is the resistance? And from the Christian worldview, the resistance is sin in our own hearts. There's humility. In, and what's the solution for that? Christ to transform, the Holy Spirit transform yeah. our heart. So, so science is never going to fix the human heart. I wish it were right. that easy. I wish we could create some type of uh, heart surgery that would just take selfishness out of people. Or some gene therapy where we're going to find the selfish gene, and once we find it, we can get rid of it. That, that, that will never, ever happen, according to a Christian worldview, until Christ returns. And so this myth of progress has to be tempered. Because, yes, we can, we can progress in certain areas, but we never, when it comes to human nature. Yeah. That is not an evolutionary progression toward perfection. That, that only gets cured uh, through Jesus Christ. Well, when you see the problem, we talked about this before, the problem is not our own hearts, the deceptive sin in our own hearts, but it's, it's ideas, it's 
is the old order. Right. Now there's no humility or compassion for those who have dissenting views, right? Now you're just the enemy of the state. You're an enemy against progress. You're an enemy against the inevitability, and you ought to be eliminated. Yeah. Sounds harsh, but that's exactly what happens oh, throughout history. It's happening all the time. And let me just say this too: we're in a you know we're in a political cycle. We're only a few weeks away from the election. The worst thing that could be attached to you, and and it happens all the time in dirty politics. The worst thing somebody could say about you is. You're bigoted, old-fashioned, stuck in your ways, um, and then we attach all the the phobia words, right? Yeah. Uh, which are just propaganda propaganda words. So, so the last thing a politician wants to be guilty of is somehow not staying up in step with the times, um, and uh, and that's exactly what we're hearing banner back and forth now. Because guess what? It's an election season. So, so here's I guess the a fundamental point we need to make is. Before, progress was viewed in terms of using science to help people experience a better life under the template of the glory of God and under the template of the fact that we're still living in a science fallen world. Science is a tool. It's a tool. It's a tool. But now, science and technology has become a god. Yeah. Now we worship scientism. Um, it, it's an enlightenment you know, offshoot. It basically says that if you can touch it, taste it, you know, feel it, smell it, you know, whatever, uh, it's all based on logical positivism. Your senses determine what's reality, and ultimately science is going to be our savior. This is exactly where we are, and because there's no moral constraints, if science can do it, then it must be good. So, for instance, we're mutilating teenage or, or elementary school girls. We're removing their breasts because we can and because we can give them hormones, we can actually make a girl grow facial hair. But the question should be, should we be doing that? And that's a question that science in and of itself cannot answer. Okay, that's, where, that's where religion comes in. Right. Uh, but when you throw religion out, science becomes this brave new world. And all we have to do is go back to the Nazis and look at the crazy sick experiments that they did in the name of science. Um, because there were no moral constraints other than the vision of progress that they had. And so when progress is your vision, you will do anything necessary uh, for dominion and for conquering. Yeah, to me, it's, it's going back to the, uh, the Garden of Eden and taking hold of the fruit of knowledge of, con uh, of, of good and evil. It's, basic, it's knowledge, it's wisdom, it's science, it's control, it's human control. You know, in, in the progressivism of Christ... We are not in control. I cannot control the Holy Spirit. Can you control the Holy Spirit? No. It blows wherever it wants to. I cannot control Christ and who's going to touch transformation We also heart. don't control history. Yeah, we don't control history. We are submitted to God's glory. But this is like all the alternate, the counterfeit version, which says, man, take hold. Use technology. You know, instead of waiting for the Holy Spirit or, or whatever, we're going to just use science and technology to get our way, get our will. It's the original yep. temptation. And, and this is where uh, liberals and leftists share some things in common, but they also differ. So you look at class, classical liberalism, which was basically, you know, they threw the morality out and just, hey, live your own life, whatever, you, be true to yourself, et cetera, et cetera. They were for increased freedom, all right? Almost freedom without boundaries. Yeah. Uh, but choice. The, yes, choice, 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 choice. But the leftists, they're all about equal outcomes. And this is important for us. We're gonna get into this in next, our next podcast, but You'll hear a lot of talk today about equity, not equality. Equality is a liberal term. Equity is a leftist term. Equality means we, we're going to give people op the same uh, opportunities. Uh, the, le the leftists are looking for the equity. They want the same outcomes. Now we hear all this talk about um, uh, what's the word again for paying people back for injustices? Oh, reparations. Reparations, okay? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we're, we hear all this talk about um, having to redistribute wealth. Rich people should not have their money. Even though they made their money, it's their money. We need to take it from them and redistribute it. Um, and who, who's going to do this? Because obviously uh, you're not going to go up to the rich guy and say, hey, I'll take all your money and give it away to people on the streets who, who deserve it. That's not going to happen. So who, who, who brings about the equity? A, a, a weaponized government that has the power to go in and economically destroy you, yeah. to cancel you, to fire you, to punish you, to fine you. They're going to take your resources in the name of progressivism, which is all about equity. And, and you brought up an interesting point because in this chapter, he distinguished between leftism and, and liberalism, which I didn't really know before. Again, liberalism is focused on choice, kind of unconstrained, but also less government intervention. Right. Very low government intervention. Right. And, but leftism is actually using the might of government to accomplish the specific progressive goal. And like when I read that, I was like, wow, really, they're, they're really not that similar. They're, they are maybe start out the similar points, but man, they diverge completely. That's why so many liberals are leaving the Democratic Party because of just well, you're, recently. This, this is a great point. It's a fork in the road. Yeah. Because liberals used to promote freedom free, of speech, free of speech, and now freedom they're real, expression. Yeah, yeah, they're realizing leftists do not promote freedom of speech. In fact, there's people saying that our constitution is outdated, that we don't need the Second Amendment, and we certainly don't need the First Amendment yeah. either. Um, and those are scary places to be. So even like you said, even some of the, the classic liberals are jumping more into our well, camp. Well, recently, um, Gabbard, congressman from Hawaii. Uh, left the Democratic Party yeah. because the party has drifted from liberal to leftist. Right. And I think we can see the trend right now in America of how many people are, are understanding and seeing that. So this is not just us talking. This yeah. is a reality right now in America today. Unfortunately, though, I would, this would be my two, two cents. I think the number of people, the number of liberals jumping into our camp as conservatives versus the number of liberals just sliding into leftism, yeah. uh, I would say that the latter is probably... The bigger. It's because it's a religion, and we're going to talk about it next yeah. week, because yeah. it's a religion. It's not just about, like, principle. It, there's a religious fervor to all of this, which yeah, we'll and, get and this is why, yeah. and I, I thought this was a really good point. When you try to sit down with a leftist and talk <laughs> logically and use facts and use, you know, reasoning and have a healthy, you know, uh, time of, of civil discourse, right? They don't listen. They, we see this happening all the time. A conservative will go to a university to give a lecture and to have a question and answer time. What's the response from the leftists, the, pro the progressives? They don't even let the lecture happen. Right. They're not about free right. speech. Right. The right. fact yeah. that that yeah. person has been invited is a threat to them. Yep. And so they do whatever they have to do to protest, violence, you know, uh, yelling, screaming, interrupting the person's, uh, you know, opportunity for free speech. They'll do whatever it takes to disturb and to cancel that person and then to vilify uh, the university for having that person to make sure that, that they never invite anybody back and then destroy that person's reputation in the process. I mean, there's no sitting down and let's talking because this is the important thing. Progressivism is a religion. And they don't want to talk about anything. They talk about Christianity being blind faith. Progressivism is blind faith. Yeah, you got prophets, you got religious texts, religious print, they got Absolutely. Ten Commandments, you religious fervor, zeal, a lot of stuff that people used to accuse us Christians for doing 
You know, it's the same thing. But we would at least sit down and say, well, let me tell you why we believe in God. Let, <laughs> yeah. let, let's, let's talk about why Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, ours yeah. was not a blind faith. Um, uh, we would, in fact, love to have debates about these things, but the left does not even go there on these issues, uh, again, because it's all about power. Yeah. And uh, and you, you're a, in most cases, you're a white guy like me, and you're in a position of power, so we're not even going to listen to you because your ideas are threatening to us. Well, we're touching on next week, we're talking about social justice and just some of the, some, the very specific difference, which was very eye-opening. But yeah, it's good stuff. Well, and I... Uh, I guess this is a good place to end. He talks about how thought crimes are continually expanding. We got homophobia, Islamophobia, transphobia, biphobia, fatphobia, racism, ableism, and the list goes on and on and on. All of these are, are pejorative terms designed to attack the other person uh, without any basis for discourse. And well, what he said, I love he says this. Uh, it's difficult to, to for people because they feel like they're treading on landmines. Oh, yes. I, I mean... I mean, that's where our culture is. When you want to make a post, you want to do a YouTube video, you want to do whatever video, you have to kind of, you literally look around the eggshells around you. It's like, uh, did I say that? Did I say that? Did I say oh, yeah. that? Did I say it that? it will be used against you. And that's how we live right now. That's how we live in our culture right now. And he's saying that is a sign towards totalitarianism. But we're just so used to it, we're just kind of living with it. Absolutely. You know, like, oh, you don't, you don't really, you can't really say that. You can't really say well, that. Because yeah. what you do is you, you self-censor. Yep. This happened, you know, the, the left would send nasty letters to pastors like me threatening that if we said anything that was, quote, political from the yes. pulpit, we would lose our, our 501c3. Well, so what did most pastors do? They just self-censored out of fear. It's the same thing. If you're confronted with a question in the marketplace or you want to post something, you start thinking, wait, should I post that? Because what if my what if the HR department at my company looks at my social media and they see that I, I, hit, I hit like on something? Mm -hmm. I didn't even post it. I just liked a comment. Yeah. That can be used for grounds for my dismissal. And maybe this is a good place to end. It'll set up where we're going next week. Uh, Rod Dreher in his books uh, shares about an American academic who, who has studied Russian communism. He says, told me about being present at a meeting in which his humanities department decided to require from job applicants a formal statement of loyalty to the ideology of diversity, even though this has nothing to do with his teaching ability or his scholarship. In other words, it's not about competence. The professor characterized this as a McCarthyite way of eliminating dissenters from the employment pool and putting those already on staff on notice that they will be monitored for deviation from the social justice party line. And Dreher points out this is a form of soft totalitarianism. You, you will submit to, to the progressive ideology if you don't. You will be removed from your job. You will be canceled. Your career will go up in smoke and yeah. uh, flames. You're done. And most people go, you know what? I don't think this is right, but I'm just not willing to risk my career I mean, over it. What that sounds to me is like a cult. It's a cult. It's funny. We're we're yeah. we're, we're institutional. <laughs> We've been called church, that before. <laughs> but we don't we don't ask people to sign. Matt, did you sign something when you didn't know? I didn't sign. You know, like I mean, I get there is a there is some alignment we need i get it but to go to that far to go around and have people like formally sign different statements man that's it's a that's scary religion place to be. that's a religion that's that's definitely a religion and i guess what you said was so true we should not even have to think before we speak anywhere in other words i might not even agree with you or you might say something 
derogatory, and I might go, you know what, you shouldn't have said that. Yeah. But this is America for crying out loud. I mean, we have the freedom to share what's in our hearts. And you know what? You might disagree with me, and that's okay. Or I, or you might offend me, or I might offend you. Well, that's okay. Um, let's put on our big boy yeah. pants, because we're, go- we're going to believe that the principle of religious liberty and freedom of speech is more important than getting our feelings hurt. That's not yeah. where we're at today. Yeah. And, and people will, more than they realize, have to censor and think about what they say or what they post before simply just expressing themselves, yeah. especially in the, in the marketplace. And, um, and it shouldn't be. That, that is a form of tyranny that has crept in right. through this progressive ideology. And we're talking about thoughtful ideas. You know, We're not just like throwing names at. We're, yeah, we're, we're, talking, about, we're talking about ideas and, and deeply think about these disruptive ideas. Some of the best invention, creation came from these disruptive ideas. And you shut down this and you left with lack of creativity, innovation. You know, and stuff that makes the country great. So absolutely, just so. my two cents. Mm-hmm. All right, no, that's good two cents. I, I would actually make that's probably about twenty bucks. Twenty worth bucks. Right worth yeah. <laughs> All right, hey, we're going to be together uh, next time, and and I really encourage you spread the word because I think this next topic. In fact, we're going to give a whole podcast to it because it's so so important. Uh, understanding what is the church's role in what has historically been called. Uh, social justice or justice issues, and what are those issues? And then, how has that whole uh, biblical idea of justice been hijacked by the progressive leftists, uh, and really used as a tool for uh, dis- reverse discrimination? Well, should the church be involved in social justice? But what is true, you know, what well, biblical justice or whatever? Yeah. And social justice sounds such a good word, right? We right. want justice. We want justice for our community. What does that look like? What's the role yep. for church and how that's been twisted? So, yeah. Are you going to answer those questions? No. Nope. Next time. Next time. <laughs> Not today. Right now time. <laughs> All right. So it. come back and see us next Thursday. We will continue the fun. All right. Have a great week. <laughs>